Bob took us on quite a journey in that song service. It started out at the cross. And listen, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But if you're here tonight, that song would have had to grip your heart because the Scripture says it's foolishness to them who are perishing, but it's the power of God to them who are being saved. Amen? And then He took us to that new name written down in glory. I don't know if you just sit there like a knot on a log during the praise worship service, but as I listened to those words, I thought about of a Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, how it made me feel, Brother Harold, to know that my name got written down in glory, and I got fired up about this weekend. There's going to be some folks happen to them Friday night and Saturday night, what happened to me on a Tuesday morning, and they'll be shouting and not doubting because their name's written down in glory. But I'm going to tell you, I can feel it in the air. We don't always feel saved. Don't always feel like having church. That's why he ended up with the song, I need thee. I need thee every hour. So think about, we started off at the cross. Then we sang about our salvation. and We ought to get fired up because of how we felt. Maybe you're not fired up because you never had your name written down. I don't know. But if you think you live and move your, have your being without Him, you can't get excited about singing, I need thee every hour. It's the book of Ephesians tonight. It's chapter 1, and I'm going to finish it up. So if you want to turn there, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, I'm going to begin to read in verse 13. And when you get to Ephesians 1 and verse 13, if you would like to honor the Lord, stand up. And if you're able to honor the Lord, stand up. And if you choose not to, stay seated. Amen. It says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And your love for all of the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Anybody want to get wise? And of revelation and knowledge. Anybody want to know what's going on? Of Him. And the eyes of your understanding, I'm always hearing everybody saying, I don't understand. You hearing the Word of God tonight? He's praying, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Did you know there is not a name above the name of Jesus? Not only in this age has there been a name above Jesus, never in the age to come will there be a name above Jesus. And listen to this, but also which is to come, and He put all things 
under his feet and gave him, that's Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is this body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Father, bless the preaching of your word and I thank you for Brother Bob's prayer. Anoint Brother Rob as the speaker. But I'm going to pray you anoint the crowd to listen as well. Father, bless the preaching of your word. I ask it in the sweet and the precious name. The name that you just told us is above every name that ever has been. The name that's higher than any name that ever will be. The name of Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord and Savior. And all of God's people as they were seated said, Amen and Amen. It was an old saint of God that kept grumbling because the preacher did not come to see her often enough. And he said to her, Sister, I'm way too busy trying to save the unsaved than to spend a whole lot of time with the saved. But I promise, that preacher said, when we get to heaven, I'll drop by one morning and spend a thousand years with you. That sounds like the Apostle Paul. Because I know his heart and I've read his books. He was all about seeing the unsaved saved. But why do we have the epistles? Because he was never so busy trying to get the unsaved saved that he didn't sit down with a pen, moved by the Holy Spirit of God to write some letters of encouragement to the saved. Folks, we ought to be all about seeing the unsaved saved. And we ought to just take a little time to encourage our brothers and sisters, and that's exactly what Paul was doing in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And so tonight, if you need a title, it's just simply encouragement from Paul. As I read these scriptures, I want to point out, number one, Paul's excitement. Notice he starts out in verse 15 with a therefore. If you've been here on Sunday nights and you've been listening to the sermons from Ephesians, he's simply been telling us about who we are in Christ, our inheritance in Christ. And man, he's getting kind of fired up. And he says, therefore, he's excited about who we are in Christ. He's excited about what we have in Christ. And he says, therefore, I also, listen to this, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, I thought Paul always done the talking. When the apostle Paul wrote, when he spoke, he was the E.F. Hutton of his day and time. Some of you older people know what I'm talking about there. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. In Bible days, when the apostle Paul spoke, People listened. But I want everybody to look up here and I want you to listen closely to what I'm saying. If you want people to listen when you speak, there's something you got to do before you speak, and that's listen. I think E.F. Hutton was a listener. I think the Apostle Paul right here also, after I heard, the reason people listen to Paul is because Paul Listen to people. 
He had a pretty good idea of what was going on. And so he's all excited about what? What he said, what he's seen. No, he's all excited about what he heard. Well, what did he hear? Well, it tells us right there. I heard about, number one, your faith. Now, I'm going to tell you what will get a preacher excited. A preacher will get excited when he hears about people's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The pulpit's just broken. I'm going to preach on. Notes are just a little farther down there. We'll have to step back now. I can see them. Now, listen. A pastor, they get to hear a lot of things. Did you know I counted up on my calendar when I flipped it over to May? Twelve funerals. We're just three months into the year. Or we're just, we finished four. We just entered five. That's three a month. If that carries on, there'll be 36 of them. Now let me tell you, a preacher don't get excited about what he hears when them phone calls come. And then a lot of times, that's not even counting the disease. That's just the deaths. That's just the ones I preach. That's the not the ones that you pray for. You listening? Preachers, what they hear is deaths. They hear about disease. Somebody's in the hospital. This person's in the hospital. So the, the Apostle Paul, guess what? We hear about gripes and complaints. But look here. What made this pastor excited? He wasn't hearing about a death. He wasn't hearing about a disease. What come to his ears, the church at Ephesus, I'm not hearing death and disease. I'm excited. I'm hearing about faith, and the faith is in the right spot. It's in the Lord Jesus. Remember when he got a letter from the church at Corinth? Some of them Apollos. Some of them this one. Some of them that one. They had faith all right, but guess what? Their faith was in a man that had come to that church. He wasn't really excited about the church at Corinth. I'm just here to tell you. But he is excited because the news that come to his ears is not death, not disease, not despair, not fighting, not grumbling, not the faith in a man, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm here to tell you, I can feel Paul's excitement as a pastor. We love to hear about people's faith in the Lord Jesus. Last night I told you God moved in a mighty way and the sermon I preached was simply four testimonies with about four scriptures put in front of each testimony. And man, God was moving. They was four or five deep in the altars and I just stepped around nine churches involved. I figured there's plenty of pastors down there doing the praying and the crying and the weeping. And man, I just left the stage and looked at the music guy and gave him thumbs up and I just wanted to watch. Sometimes us preachers just want to watch what God's doing. And I stood back behind him and I just put my hands behind my back like this. And the lady come over and she put her arm around me. And she said, that sure was good preaching. I said, I'd sure like to take uh, credit for it. But that's just four people's personal testimonies. I was excited to hear them and I thought you guys might be excited to hear them. All I done last night is give four people's personal testimonies. And I figured if they excited me when I heard them, they might excite some people to hear them. And I told that lady, I love to hear testimonies and I love to share testimony. Paul's excited because the call he got and what he heard this time was good news, not grumbling news. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. 
And then, secondly, Paul's not only excited about their faith, he's excited about their fellowship. Look at it. It said, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of the saints. When he got the news from Corinth, what was going on? Fighting and strife. He didn't like that news. He had two letters to try to straighten all this nonsense out. It's like he was working at daycare. But here... They love each other. What did Jesus say? People will know you are my disciples when you have what? Love for one another. Rusty, I can remember when we hired Dave and he's responsible for shutting this place down after services. And I went ahead and forewarned him sometimes that'll be 30, 45 minutes after it's over. And I said, but don't ever get aggravated. Hope you're listening. Because you show me a church where the lights are out, the sanctuary's dark, and the parking lot's empty within 30, 45 seconds of saying the last amen, I'll show you a church that don't have much love for one another. Sometimes as leadership, it does get a little aggravating when you've had a tough day and want to stick around. But I'm telling you, the building that it's got people in it 30 minutes after the service, 15 minutes after the service, fellowshipping with one another. They count on each other. They encourage one another. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. So Paul, he's excited about what he's heard. This ain't like the news I got from Corinth with sin running rampant, fighting, and a bunch of big babies over there. I'll remind you, he's the, the letter to Corinth, he told them to grow up. So he's a little more excited about what he's hearing about the church at Ephesus. Which church you want to be, Corinth? If Paul wrote you a letter? Or you want to be Ephesus? I'd lots rather Paul be excited about my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Miss Bonnie, than the filth that's crept into my life. I'd lots rather him be excited about the love we have for one another instead of the envy and strife and the division among them. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. Paul's excitement. But then number two, how about Paul's edification? Verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, I don't believe the Apostle Paul was putting the church at Ephesus up on a pedestal. Because it's easy to see... In the writings of the Apostle Paul, he understood what pedestals was good for. You say, what's that? Get knocked off of. He wasn't going to put them up on a pedestal. He was simply saying, every time I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and I hear about your love for each other in the fellowship, I can't help but go to Jesus and thank Jesus of what He's doing in your lives. In other words, I'm not thanking you folks. I'm thanking Jesus for ruling and reigning in your lives. So get that. When a preacher, when a leader is thanking and mentioning you in the prayers, he's edifying you and he's thanking the Lord. He's wanting you to realize, hey, listen, folks. I know what you was before Jesus. <laughs> Sinners. But let me just tell you something. I want to edify you and I want to encourage you. 
And I thank Jesus every time I think of you for what He's doing in your life. Now, I know you've got to allow Him to do it, but I'm thanking Jesus that you're allowing Him to do it. And He's doing it. And so, just think about that. That's edification. That's, that's edifying. That's lifting up. You with me? Now, I wanna, I, I got a question for you. We're talking about Corinth. And I just think about the letter he wrote then and about this letter. Let me just ask you, would you rather be edified or would you be rather a pastor being every time he thinks of you? He said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to the Lord. And I'm letting you know that I'm edifying you. But every time he thought about the church at Corinth, I'm sure he prayed too. was trying to pray them out of their sin and out of their carnality. So I'm asking you tonight, if you want leadership to pray for you, would you rather them being given thanks every time they think of you? Put it, take the church out of it. Draw yourself in a circle. Every time the preacher thinks of me, put your name with it. When Rob thinks of me, what's he pray? Does he give thanks to God for your service? For your willingness to serve? Come on. It's what he's telling them right here. Or does when he think of you as an individual, he says, oh, God, help him. Folks, you laugh, you chuckle. That's exactly what happened between them two letters. And there's names mentioned. And if you think when a preacher and leadership of a church goes to the Lord in prayer or thinks of individual church members, listen, there's sometimes he thanks God for them, don't know what I'd do without them, thank them for their servant's heart. God, thank you, I need to edify them, thank them for letting God use them to do great and mighty things. Or the church at Corinth, when you thank somebody, Lord, deliver them. God, help them to see the light. Man, if they're saved, let them see they need to act like it. Live like it. You with me? Paul's edifying them because you're in the right spot. I think we'd all rather, when the preacher thinks of us, be thanking God for our servant's heart and our love one among each other. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. But thirdly, and I'll be through, we talk about Paul's excitement. He was excited about what he heard. Not all the news he got was exciting to him. Some of it was heartbreaking. His edification was, you guys are doing good. Keep on doing good. I'm edified. I'm not having to pray you out of trouble. I'm praying that you just keep on helping others get out of trouble. But then thirdly, Paul's encouragement. It's fivefold. Watch it. He wanted to encourage them to know more about the person of Jesus Christ. Watch what he says in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which simply means reveal in the knowledge of Him. You know what He wanted to encourage the church at Ephesus? Why don't you get to know more about the person of Jesus Christ? Could I encourage you tonight? If you're saved, 
Could I encourage you? Why don't you get to know more about the person who left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life, Nobody took his life. He laid it down on the cross for your sins. He died there. He was buried there. The third day he rose and now he's ascended back, sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And if you're saved, could I just encourage you with Paul's encouragement? If a person done that for you, you ought to get to know him just a little better. Let me just tell you how you get to know somebody a little better. It's deep and it's profound. Hang out with them. And how do you hang out with Jesus? Right there in the Word of God. I encourage you, like Paul encouraged them, get to know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, Paul wanted to encourage them to know more about the purpose of Jesus Christ. Listen listen to verse uh, 18. He says, in all this he's praying, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling. He wants everybody to know that they have a talent, they have a niche in the body of Christ, and Paul's encouraging them, find out what your niche is and put your hands to the plow and your nose to the grind. And we got to be careful. Paul asked for the Lord to open your eyes, not mankind. You know, I shared my testimony. I mean, just shortly after being saved on a Tuesday morning, testified on a Wednesday night. That opened the doors to testify more and more. That opened doors for me to get to stand in the myriad and share my testimony before Rebecca St. James would hold a concert. And after having opportunity to do this and only being a few months old in Christ, what did people go to saying to me? Oh, you're going to be a preacher. Oh, you're going to be a preacher. And you know what the hardest thing for me answering my call to be a preacher was? Everybody telling me I was going to be a preacher. Because the voices out there, it's hard to sometimes discern between that voice and here. I'm not against you encouraging people to find their niche in the body of Christ, but let what Paul says happen. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the one that opens their eyes and they find the purpose and their niche in the body of Christ. Don't be lazy and ask the preacher and the Sunday school teacher and the leaders of the church what your niche is when you get to know the person of Jesus Christ, spend time in His Word, guess what you're going to figure out? You're going to figure out your purpose that He has for you. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. And then Paul didn't only want to encourage them to know more about the person of Jesus Christ and the purpose of Jesus Christ, but he wanted to encourage them to know more about the provisions of Jesus Christ. Look at this, verse 17 or verse 18. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in saints? I got to scratch my notes here. Because I was standing there visiting and enjoyed that visit with John and sister and brother. But when the kids went out there, I wanted to go out there. You know, you guys may not agree with it or you may not believe it, but when this church was small and the pastor run the van, and he taught that. He misses those days, but it's growing pains. It's just like the scheduling of events. You just outgrow them. You just have to delegate it. And you just have to. But I wanted to go out there, and I, I, I was talking to Dusty, and 
Dusty was all fired up. And he said, let me tell you about my evening. I thought, oh, no, some kids got on him. But he shared about when he was coming home, he had a flat. And he said, I just keep good tires on it. I don't have a spare. And he had a flat there on the bridge. I guess it was at the port, wasn't it? And so he says, now, now this, is, this is something. He takes the tire off and just goes rolling down the shoulder walking. Where are you going with flat? I just, but he wasn't just walking with his flat tire. He was praying. Lord, send somebody to give me a ride. Should it have surprised him when somebody stopped and give him a ride? And then when he got down there to town looking for a tire shop, there wasn't a tire shop. And he asked some guys that looked like locals. And Dusty could probably tell the story a lot better, but he put some gas in that car and they said, Hey, I'm going to take a drug test. I just got a new job. I can take you over to uh, that exit where the Hard Rock Casino is. Dusty said, I remembered that Hessel Bean or that tire shop being right there. Good stuff. So he got in there. Now listen to this guy. What did Dusty pray? Send somebody to give me a ride. The testimony to the guy that gave him a ride, I've been an alcoholic. I've now been delivered. I got me a new job. I hope you're listening. And I didn't have enough gas to get to my drug test. And so when I left, I just prayed. God, get me some gas. Two saints praying, one God providing. Paul wanted to go ahead and tell them, God's rich. And when you're stranded on the side of the road with a flat tire, guess what? He'll send you a ride. When you don't have gas, he'll let a guy have a flat tire that's got some money to buy you some gas. And then... Talk about a God of provision. The drug test will only last so long, but Hessel Beans is busy. How in the world am I going to be out by the time he pees in a cup? You ever been to a tire shop? <laughs> he said, I'm just standing there. A guy comes over and says, what can I help you with? And he says, let me get that. He said, mounts me a tire right there in front of everybody. And I said, what I owe you? Nothing. I don't know if he didn't tell me this, but he might have spent all his money on that guy's gas. I don't know. But then he said he was thirsty and didn't want to didn't want to take a chance of missing that boy and some more testifying going back to his car. He said, so I run over to Freddy's. I was about to die of thirst. I mean, yeah, that, praying will do that. I don't know if walking down the road in a 95-degree day pushing a flat spare tire, uh, tire off, but, but praying will make you thirsty. He went to Freddy's. He said, I just want a drink. Handed him a 32-ounce cup. He said, I went to try to pay him. He said, it's on us today. You know, you can get all down and out when you have a flat tire. But God might just want to show you, hey, I'm in the provision business today. And I got a newly saved convert needing some gas. The only way that ever happened is for you to be rolling your tire down the shoulder of 412. Folks, God said, I will meet all your needs according to what? My riches in glory through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I had to change my notes after I heard that testimony. Did I tell you I love sharing a testimony, but I love hearing a testimony. And I got to hear one today. And all God's people said, Amen. And I want to encourage you tonight. God will meet your needs. But then Paul wanted to encourage them to know more about not only the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only about the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only the provisions of the Lord Jesus Christ, but Paul encouraged them to know more about the power of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power. Let me stop right there. He's just telling this church at Ephesus, you've got the power of God in your life. Got that? It's what He's just said. How much power? Look at the rest of the verse. Which He worked in Christ when... He raised him from the dead. I said it in my sermon Sunday morning. When that Englishman told that American, when that American said the most unused power in the world is the water that's flowing off Niagara Falls, and that Englishman being a Christian said, Not so, sir. I disagree with you. The most misused, unused Power in the world is not the water coming off Niagara Falls. It's the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And it seems like the Apostle Paul agreed with that Englishman because he wanted to encourage the church at Ephesus. And I want to pass the encouragement on to you at Exciting Southeast. You've got the same power living within you that raised Christ from the grave. And we live powerless lives and we couldn't blow the fuzz off a Georgia peach and I want to encourage you understand the power that is inside you it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and Paul wanted to encourage them and all God's people ought to be saying amen and then lastly Paul wanted to encourage them to know more about the position of Jesus Christ and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places Listen to this next word, far, not just a little ways, far, above, not just some, all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named and not only in this age but also the age to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all folks he said he'd give us understanding And when I head to a home where I've had one of those not exciting calls, there's death. There's disease. And let me tell you the understanding. Do I understand all of it? Do I know the why of a 16-year-old dying in a car wreck in our family? No. Do I understand? I don't know if you heard about Westville and the little kids that died in that van from a Christian school. Little kids. I don't understand that. 
So what do we as preachers say when we walk into that? I can remember Ross Dotson, my friend, finding his dad dead on his porch. And I rushed over there, Bob. And I was standing there. And man, I didn't think life had been very fair to Ross Dotson. Had a brother that took his own life. Then he finds his dad. Do I understand that? So what do you say to Ross Dotson? I'll tell you what you say to him. This is way over our heads. Way over our heads. But Ross, it's beneath his feet. Folks, it gets above our heads often. And let me tell you what you better understand when it's way above your head. It's under his feet. And man, that encouraged me about his position. Because he's never said oops. And he always understands when we don't. And what Paul's trying to do him is uh, he understands. And the more you get to know him, you'll understand. But the best thing you can understand is when it's above your head, it's beneath his feet. Amen. I said in a prior sermon in Ephesians, There's a lot of families that divide their inheritance evenly between their kids. But I've learned in my 19 years of pastoring, there's way more that don't divide it equally. And I watch people that inherit a lot of money, and I listen to the world say, I could have done it if I would have got given to me what they got given to them. But then I watch somebody get a big inheritance and say, oh, they just sloughed it off when they're living lower than they was before they got it. That's just jealousy and envy and fleshly feelings that you guys have got. And they can creep into me just like that. Pretty quiet. You know what I've learned in my study of Ephesians? God the Father, go read, the, go read that whole chapter and see how many times inheritance and blessings is in there. Let me tell you what God done. He divided her up equally between every one of His children. You got that? So when you're whining around about somebody got something to give to them, well, I could have done that. How are you doing in your walk with Christ? Because He gives you the same opportunity that He give every one of His children. In other words, when you see somebody a little closer to Jesus and living under His blessing and His anointing, don't you get jealous and don't you run Him or her down because you've got the same exact inheritance. It's just what kind of decisions are you making with what God has given you. Amen? Oh, man. So, last Wednesday night, Big Bird broke down. And I'm so glad it done it on Danny Land because he had the patience to limp it. It broke down before he got to Oklahoma City, headed to Amarillo. It would only run 60 mile an hour. When he told me that, I thought, thank God he's driving that because he can handle 60 mile an hour way better than I can handle 60 mile an hour. And he limps it back in, and so I take it to the shop. They put it on the computer, got an injector down. 
easy fix. Just hope we can get the injector with all these shipping disruptions and trying to control inflation, yada, yada, yada. Boy, they called me, got an injector. So I get up there, and I walk in that shop, and old big, tall, slim Larry looks at me, and he said, I just figured out where I know you from. Red binder, day cab. I don't mean much to you non-truckers, but that means a red international without a sleeper. Years ago, I said, how about 20? He said, I helped Dink rebuild the motor. That motor blowed up. 3406C. I mean, he was popping her off. I said, yes, sir. Remember where it was sitting when you and Dink got it? I said, as far back in prior stone as you can get. And that's the only time I'd ever been to that pile of rock. I said, let me tell you the story about that. Right there in that truck shop, I got to say, Larry, that morning, Marty Brock, cowboy evangelist, had called me and he said, Rob, you better get to Oklahoma City. You need to be a part of Heartland Evangelism Conference. And here's what Marty said. I can still remember. If you'll get down here for three days, you'll grow more spiritually in three days than what you could in a, a year. Johnny Hunt, Herb Brevis, John Phillips. I'm talking about sluggers preaching. And I can remember driving that red truck. The old Mack truck was hauling coal. And Richard Persley, I was trying to win a world title. And Richard needed some help. He said, get that old binder going. Just haul rock when you're home. A little extra money. I said, good enough. And old Richard was keeping me busier than a cat. Whatever cats are busy doing. Look here. And Marty said, you got to get down here. You will grow more in three days. Now listen to this then you will a year if you'll come down here for three days. I said, Marty, we're so busy in these trucks. If the Lord wants me down there, he'd have to blow this thing up. Folks, I hit that red button. Dispatcher said, go over there to the far east side. of." The... I said, what's over there? We need you to take a load of this special rock to a guy. I said, well, I ain't never been there. Just go, just pull across scales, go straight east. I go back there, I turn around, and I back into that pile, and she shut off like I'd turned the key off and would not turn over. Now, if you'd have just had that conversation that I had with Marty Brock, what would you have done? I grabbed my lunchbox. I got out of the truck and I started walking. I remember coming out of that pile of rocks. And old John Parker, white ten-wheeler, saw me walking. I mean, you know, he's supposed to walk in prior stone, but I, I didn't have no choice. And he stopped. I opened up his passenger door, and I'll never forget, old John Parker said, where are you headed? I said, Oklahoma City. He said, huh? I said, Oklahoma City. 
He said, you're going to have to explain that one to me, brother. I said, I just told Marty Brock, the guy that was a big part of leading me to the Lord, who had invited me to an evangelism conference in Oklahoma City because I'd grow more in three days than I would an entire year. And I told him if God wanted me there, he'd have to blow my truck up. I'm pretty sure my motor's locked up over at that pile of that special rock. He said, you better get your beep to Oklahoma City, boy. I said, if you'll get this thing weighed, where you headed with this load? He said, I'm headed to Locust Grove. I said, you mind dropping me off over there on uh, my old place at Locust? I called my wife and told her to get her bags packed. I want you to listen. We headed to Oklahoma City. Of course, I called Brother Marty and told him, well, the Lord blew her up. I'm headed out there. I remember walking in the side door, and Marty wasn't a big enough time preacher to preach, but they did let him sing. He was singing, and I remember walking in the side door, Don and I, packed house. I remember sitting down in between songs, Marty Brock looking out there to the crowd and saying, I don't know who traveled the farthest to be here. We had Canadians. We had Floridians. We had Alabamians. But I remember him looking out there with that big old smile on his face, and he said, I don't know who traveled the farthest to get here, but I know who it cost the most. He just walked in. I think it cost him about a $10,000 motor. You know the story. The evangelist, Marty, had told him about my story, my salvation. Don and I were sitting on the front row. It was Ernie Perkins to preach next, and he got up. I didn't know Ernie at the time. He walked up, and he says, Cowboy, they tell me you've got a good story. Right after I make this announcement, you'll be telling it. That sounded like Ernie. Folks, I just listened to some of the biggest time, most anointed preaching I'd ever heard, and I just got told that pulpit's mine next. My wife will tell you I got up, and I run out that door. Probably people probably thought I had the diarrhea. I mean, I headed out. I was planning on leaving. And I'll tell you how much I care about my wife. I left her. I thought Marty will get her to the room. I was cutting out. There's no way that I can stand behind that pulpit and share my story behind that kind of preaching. And it's like the Lord got a hold of me when I went out that side door in that foyer. And he yanked me down to my knees. And I'm telling Larry this at the mechanic shop because I love to share a testimony. And I said, it's like he picked me up and he sent me back in there. And I said, while you guys was towing my truck out of there, I was standing and telling about the greatest day my life and I said and because of that that year I was asked to speak time and time again was I going for a world championship yes and when I told him man I've got to be in Canada we'll get you a plane ticket if you'll just come and speak I was overwhelmed and I said now pastor of a church two campuses three times a morning no, Larry looked at me and he said, wow. He said, and I was just a kid making dumb choices and look at my business now. 
What a difference. What Larry said. What a difference. 20 years. Makes. And sometimes you can give a testimony of what 20 years of hard work does in a secular business. And sometimes you can give a testimony of what 20 years of walking with Christ does. And man, when I got to thinking about this message and that opportunity, I couldn't help but just be like the Apostle Paul. Thank God from where He brought me and where I am. And I'm like the Apostle Paul. All I've ever wanted since that Tuesday morning in that old mat truck is just to gather up some folks to go to heaven with me and to grow in the Lord with me and take the inheritance that He gives to us equally and make good decisions with it. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and amen. Paul was excited. And as a pastor, news like that will excite you. There's enough of that other news. Paul wanted to edify that church. And I want to edify you guys. I think we've had some of the biggest turnouts for workers and servers that we've had in a long time when tents are going up. Our revival was a success. But I often know what happens when there's those big turnouts and there's a large number. We get to thinking, oh, there's enough to do it, and we stay home. Folks, I'd rather have way too many and us be able to love on each other while we're there, even if we don't get to do some of the things that need to be done. Are you with me tonight? Keep showing up and keep this preacher happy. He had lots rather be giving thanks for what you're allowing God to do through you instead of praying, trying to pray you out of your sinful ways and your carnal ways. Amen. And I want to encourage you tonight. Know more about the person, the purpose, the provision. Huh? Know more about the position and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Father, we love you. We praise you. I thank you for the testimony I got to hear here tonight. And I thank you of how it just fits in with what you want to say to us, your people, tonight. And Father, sometimes we come to church on a Wednesday night with a heavy load from the work week and 